Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. I'm Shoshana. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm a food addict and anorexic. Hi, everybody. I'm very grateful to be here, honored to be here. I'm I'm from New York City. Um, I've been staying out in, in Sag Harbor since the pandemic. And I I want to thank this meeting. I want to start off by just thanking this meeting because I listened to your podcasts a lot uh, when I first actually had a baby and I couldn't go to in-person meetings. And there are so many people. There are probably people on here that I would have loved to thank. So thank you. <laughs> you really, really, really helped me. Um, I'll just give a little, I guess, so what I was like, what happened and what I'm like now. Um, and, and just the stats is that I came into OA quite young in 1997. Um, and then this is just my story. Um, but um, in 1998, I quit drugs and alcohol and was like, phew, that's not my, you know, OA. I, I didn't want to be here. I, you know, for anyone who's new, I was like, can they change the name? Like, do they have to call it that name? Because I don't want to be here and be called that. You know what I mean? And um, I was so ashamed and I was so so ashamed. Um, so I sort of literally would have burned my literature if I could, threw everything out. P- cut to, <laughs> cut to 2005, which is when I hit like a new bottom. I quit smoking cigarettes. I, um, the compulsive eating, I mean, how it returned for me was like a vengeance. It was just one bite and, um, I was on my knees and came back then. Um, my history is I grew up in in Brooklyn, I think from a family of everybody seems to have had issues with food. I mean, food was like, I, I feel like we were all a bunch of angry, um, self-obsessed victims, <laughs> victim, victim me. Um, it was either, you know, either overeating, hate, self-hatred. Um, there's obesity in my family. There's every kind of addiction. There's a lot of abuse. I have, and this, this did, I'm not saying that this made me a compulsive overeater, but I, this was my story. I had a lot, a lot of trauma, a lot of abuse in my childhood. So when, um, Food became my friend. I would say that I had a relationship with it. And and I remember realizing, like, oh, wait a second, I don't need to have a relationship with it. I just need to eat it, you know. <laughs> and it was too intimate. You know, it was very, very intimate uh, food. And and the, obs- the obsession with it started at some point, I think, around college. And um, I was an actress and – one thing I, I had this memory just because I'm thinking of Los Angeles. And so this, this, I don't think I've ever shared this, but um, 
um, an acting teacher and uh, an agent had said to me, you know, you have to be um, you have to be able to wear a bathing suit if you want to work in this business. And I had been thin when I started. And then I w- it was so much for me to be out there in the world. Um, I started to do this bodega walk, as I call it. I would go from bodega to bodega and buy lots of food items, eat them, go to the next one. Um, and I really couldn't stop. I mean, that was the first time at that point I was living down in the East Village and I was, um, eating and I would, it would buy like a whole pizza and then, oh, I'm sorry I mentioned a food item, but okay. Oh, and then I would eat part of it and throw it out the window and then go downstairs where the rats were eating it and I would be like, I'd punch a rat in the face to get my thing back because I had to eat it, you know. And um, one day I was walking down the street and I was binging on, and I was, I remember saying, I said, God, please let there be a razor blade in the next cookie so it will slice my throat up so I could stop. That was, that was the, the beginning for me where I mentioned, I whispered to somebody in a class, I can't stop eating. I don't know why. And that's where I think there is, there's got to be a grace of, of, of God in here that I said that to somebody. And then that person happened to be say, there's a place called Overeaters Anonymous. I had no idea about that. So that was my miracle. There've been many miracles along the way. I, um, um, let me just look at the time because I know, I know it's, um, I have a long and windy story with food, with my relationship with food, Overeaters Anonymous, body image. Um, when I came back in 2005, I, I'm happy to say that I never left. I've never left. Um, but I do have relapse in my story. Um, so if there's anyone struggling with that, I would say one of the biggest qualities that I – one of the things I knew about myself as a kid was I was a liar. I, I felt so ashamed because I was such a liar and I knew I was a liar and I lied about food. I hustled food. I, I made, I had relationships with restaurant owners so I could get free meals. <laughs> I mean, I literally developed like relationships with people I did not like in order to get food. Like I'm a, I'm a down and dirty compulsive overeater. Like I will do anything. And so to, to come here and to say, you know what? This is me. Okay. Screw it. This is who I am. I don't care. And I really, in 2005, when I came back, that's what happened for me. And I put myself in the middle of the herd. I mean, I, I really did right from the beginning. I, I took service commitments immediately because that's what I learned will will hook me in and you know it's a privilege to do service it is for someone like me who felt like such a lying useless human being uh, and to you guys give me that privilege so I always say like if if you're new if you don't even have any abstinence you can always help somebody else you can always reach out to somebody because it makes me very moved to feel like 
to go from being feeling like such a useless human being to feeling useful. If I died today and that was that was the gift I got, that's beyond my wildest dreams, you know. Um, so so that's what happened for me in 2005. I I I stepped over the shame. I I said I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Meanwhile, I had tried to work the steps many times. As I said in the beginning, I'm I'm a recovering victim. Um, I, that's the other, not only a liar, but re, I was really victimized. And then I lived my life as a victim and I will punish, I'm going to punish everybody. That was basically it. I'm going to punish the world. And of course I end up always punishing myself. Um, and when I wrote my first fourth step, I couldn't even write I'm resentful at, I wrote, I am hurt because, <laughs> um, because I can only identify with how how hurt I got. And I thought, listen, I got no problem with you. You you stay over there and I'll stay over here. And we got no problem, like isolation. Um, turning over my food, I'll back up to like turning over my food, people making a suggestion like to eat three meals a day and two snacks and call somebody was like, and I, I always say this was like exposing myself naked. It was scarier than that. And for me, that was a big leap of faith. Like, that was a step one, two, and three. In fact, every day that I turn over my food, I do it naturally now. I've done it for all these years. But um, that was that was really scary to say, I plan to have this. And I'm going to stick to it, you know. Holy crap. That is step three for me in a huge way. But moving on to step four, I was unable, unable to to see my part because of the the um I guess the fear that I would be you 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 know somehow <laughs> I would be damned and um so so it takes what it takes you know I did so I did those four steps that didn't do anything and then that abstinence so I was I got abstinent I guess it was 2005 at some point in there and um I was able to really do a thorough fourth step and to really see my part in things. Um, I thought that by me saying, I'm here, we have no problem. I, I really was able to own how much, how abandoning I was, how I hurt people by, I was a disappearer. I would just disappear from your life. Um, I was able to see a lot of ways that I hurt people and it was, such a miracle for me because to get through to when I getting up to my ninth step my amends um I never thought I never thought I could make amends particularly to my parents and I was able to um I have so many like miraculous amends stories like I think the steps are so cool because when you really do them I don't do them. Like, they just sort of happen. Like, all these people would show up. Um, I mean, I, I this one that always sticks out was my best childhood friend. I, I, did, I did not want to make the amend. And then when I called her up, she was like, I hadn't talked to her in, like, 15 years. And her mother, who was always really kind to me, was sitting right next to her. She was dying, and she was asking for me. And... That was all because I made the amend and I got to talk to her on the phone. She died the next morning. 
And um, that's that's a total – that's what this program can do, you know. I didn't even know that was something I needed to do. You know, I had no idea. And with my parents who, you know, were very, very sick and suffering, um, I was able to show up for them. They both had cancer, and I was able to sort of make a face-to-face amend and then show up for them. And after I finished my ninth step, they, I, I got married, and they died within a few months of each other. So it happened like that. It was like boom, boom, boom. And um, the thing is, is that I am free. I'm free. I don't have to live with that, what was done to me and what I was trying to punish everybody for because of that. It was a hard time for me. Um, I stayed abstinent through it. I want to say I brought my food and Tupperware to, like, in the funeral processions. And uh, I was so, so committed um, not that I'm a good girl. It's just that this stuff is life and death for me. You know, I mean that, I mean that other program, this is just as, just as, um, deadly. And I, I will tell you guys, I had a baby after that a couple of years and, um, and she was born injured by the doctor during the birth. And that for some reason, I, I used that uh, to to relapse. I I was so devastated. Um, she's good now, FYI. She's eight. Um, she has some stuff that she'll always deal with, but she's good. But I w- I was not okay, and <clears throat> I was so the victim stuff came back. Everything came back, and I started to sneak eat. You know, I'm a sneak eater, <laughs> and. I feel like, who am I hiding from? My, me? <laughs> you know, I, I'll like hide stuff from myself and then, um, I, um, I'm crazy. Um, but I'm really grateful. Look, that, 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 I wish I still had the straight, you know, <laughs> straight absence, but I don't. But I learned a lot from that. Um, I think what I got most was a lot of humility. Uh, I was, I, I asked for help and I was afraid to, you know, um, and I ended up getting abstinent again, thank God. Um, I have, I think it's about two and a half years of abstinence uh, now, and it's different than then. It's not as neat. <laughs> uh, my life is not as neat. Um, I've done something, I make music, and I it's something that I, I've always wanted to do, and um I can only do it being absent. Thank, thank you so much. Um, I mean, having a baby is a miracle for me because coming from where I come from, anorexic, also allowing myself physically to do that, and and the other thing of uh, parenting, it's just really, <laughs> it's really hard. Um, but it's really a big, big gift. She's an OA baby, I always say, because without abstinence, there's no way I would have done that. Um, even being married, it's really hard, and I only married a day at a time because I always want to leave. I want to leave everything, <laughs> but um, but I don't. You know, I show up, um, and I just uh, I'll say what I'm sort of struggling with now is oh, I heard at this meeting. It was a few weeks ago, but it, it's really hit home. This man, he said, 
he said his third step a lot was for him about trust your losses, like to trust that everything that I've lost, everything that I've failed at, that I, I mean, this is how I'm interpreting that I've given up in my life that's been robbed of me due to having a lot of addictions and mental illness stuff, you know, um, in my past, uh, to trust that I'm where I'm supposed to be today. And that is real. that really spoke to me because that's what I've been struggling with a lot of acceptance. I, I feel so ripped off in a lot of ways and, um, to accept aging is really, really hard. I just want to go back to, I just want to rewind till, and then do it again <laughs> free. Um, so aging, body image, um, just, ex- just being in reality, uh, has been, has been hard and it's been what I'm looking at. I'm also looking at certain things in my food, like ways that I use food still to numb, um, certain ways and, and I'm honest about them and um, I have lots, I have bottom lines, but um, yeah, I feel like I'm, I feel like being here is winning the lottery. Uh, I think there should be 5 million people on, at every meeting because that's how many people seem to suffer with this illness, but we are the lucky ones. We made it. And one day I went to a, a relapse workshop and this woman stood up in front and she stood there with her arms and she said, never, never, never. And she did it like, like 20 times, never give up. That's what she said. Like, don't ever quit. And I, that's my, that's my thing. I never am going to, I please God, never quit OA and whatever happens, stay. So I'm really grateful I got to speak, and thanks for letting me share. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that opinions the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you have a question, please click the raise hand icon. Uh, Nancy will call on you, and then you can unmute and ask your question. Perfect. First up, we have Cheryl. I'm trying to unmute. Hold on. You were unmuted. Now you're muted again. You're muted. Mm. Now you're good. There we go. Oh, okay. It still looks looks (laughs) muted to me. Okay. Hi. Uh, Shoshana, thank you so much for your vulnerability, I would say, uh, is what I heard come out there. You know, these these 9,900 person Zoom rooms. (laughs) And I really, really heard that. Um, I really wanted to ask you about your amends process, especially with the friends that you said you hadn't spoken to in 15 years and what a gift to be able to connect with her mom, but how that went for you and if that was, um, and how she received it and like kind of what's happened since in your friendship, if you're willing to talk about that. Oh yeah. Thank you. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, well, what happened was I had disappeared. As, as I said before, that's what I did with people. I abandoned her and disappeared. And 
She was very open to my amend. Um, since we have since remained in contact, she does not live. She lives in the Midwest. Um, but she sends my daughter, like, it's so sweet, like $20 in envelopes for all kinds of birthdays. And um, oh, I got muted. I hope you could hear, hear, could, could you hear me? Okay. Um, she always says, love you. Um, so that reception of the men's was amazing. I have other stories. <laughs> I don't know if you want to hear this side, but where I made an amend to a friend and she said, no, thank you. I, I don't want to, I don't want anything to do with you. Uh, I'm too hurt. Goodbye. Uh, I, it happened a few times and that is that is part of this process and the thing is is that i i feel good that i made that amend it ha actually the funny thing is is one of those people recently just reached out to me it took after when did i do that amend in two, 2009 so over 10 years later they came back and reached out to me so you never know you just for me i just have to do god's work be a little, you know, and then let go of the results. Uh, Ashley? Hi, Ashley, compulsive overeater. Thank you so much for your share. I really appreciated that and connected with all of it. Can you please repeat what you said about your understanding of step three and what you heard in the other meeting? I found that really helpful. Sure. I did too, and I could probably use to hear it, like, constantly. The person had had said um, had said trust your losses. That was his 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 experience of third step was to trust your losses, which to me I took that as as surrendering what I think should have happened in my life, the way I think sh things should have gone, the way the way things should be in the future. You know, it's just all about surrendering control and trusting. Okay, I was robbed of a lot in my life um and i screwed up a lot of things i did <laughs> and to, to trust my losses and be like this is where i'm at today it's very profound for me nancy b thanks nancy d <laughs> running joke uh i want to first honor M.E., who was one of the first speakers I ever heard 44 years ago. Thanks for still being here. My name is Nancy Beecham. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've been in L.A. 44 years, 150-pound weight loss. My question is this. It's double-sided. Would you please review just a little bit, since we really hold these meetings to give the newcomers hope, what you do on a daily basis that maybe they can start doing so they can begin to join us in this wonderful road of recovery of Overeaters Anonymous. And then also, um, this is a program where the idea here, I believe, is to get kindness, that everything we do with kindness. Could you talk to us about your relationship with a sponsor and with people in your life that you get angry with? I used to just walk away. How do you work these things out, even if you have to walk away, to walk away in peace and love so you haven't hurt another human being. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Nancy V. That is, I mean, I got so much just from hearing your question. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I guess 
I mean, on a daily basis today, um, I wake up sometimes at 4.30 because I try to beat my daughter awake, and I need that time to be alone and to be quiet. Um, so I sit quietly, um, and I – oh, I'm redoing – I'm doing step work now, so I'll do some writing. I do morning pages, so I write – three pages of kind of nothing to kind of get out my, I basically complained. <laughs> I complained for three pages and then I'm like, okay, I'm done. And then I do some step work. Um, and I usually, I, I have a friend that I call, a, a fellow that I call, uh, sometimes sponsees call me and we read together. I have, um, I have a bunch of sponsees. I'm not sure how many, but it's definitely over five. Um, at this point, and uh, I go through the steps with them, and it's amazing. I mean, the relationships I have, I I love each and one, each and every. I love them so much, and that was not my experience early on. But now I really, I don't know. God put people in my life that I really love. Um, what else do I do? Well, I make. I, I'm also. I got over Lyme disease. I don't know if anyone had this, but I. I, I had a physical illness and I've had to kind of redo my food plan. That's like a medical food plan, doctor given. Um, it takes a lot of work and mindfulness. Um, and so I prepare my food uh, uh, and I, I measure, I measure some things and don't measure others. That's just my food plan, but it's very clear. Um, I write my food in an email to a sponsor and I, I speak, I speak to sponsors, like I have two sponsors in this program, a food sponsor and a step sponsor. So, um, the food sponsor, mostly I, I just turn over my food to, and then we speak once in a while. And the other one I do step work with. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the tools, I think that was another big change for me is I always knew about the steps, but in this, in the last relapse I had, I really realized there's a reason that OA came up with tools. There's a reason. Like, I cannot do this by myself. Those tools are about connecting me, and I really am working on saying kitchen closed or, or saying I'm having a hard moment right now, and that's hard for me. I'm really, really uh, self-sufficient and egomaniacal, so... Um, I work very hard to force myself to reach out through the day. Um, about the anger question, I love that question. Um, there's a fellow in New York City, she always says, why don't we talk about the anger? We're all angry. Why else would we be stuffing ourselves like this? I mean, so anger is huge. and um, And it's something that, you know, I, I know you, you, I don't want to curse on this meeting, but I will call someone and throw some of it their way and get it get it out rather than um, punishing. Because what I tend to do, that's my history, is to punish somebody with my anger, with whether it's silent scorn. Um, that's that's the way I have handled it. I don't necessarily rage, although I'm recovering. I'm a singer. I'm recovering from a vocal injury because I. I was holding it in and the pandemic has been challenging and I screamed like at 
at, I kind of growled and hurt my voice at my daughter because I was, I'm also a caretaker, I would say, a codependent, and that stuff makes me so angry when I'm neglecting my self-care. Um, so I have to really watch that because I can explode. I come from a, my father was a, a rageaholic and, um, I'm, I'm very angry. I have to say, and there's, I need a lot of work with that. I think physical exercise really helps me. Walking helps me deal with anger. And then, and then the 10th step, you know, writing it down and sharing it with somebody. And, um, yeah, so hope that was helpful. Julie? Hi, thanks so much for your share. Um, during uh, when your parents were dying at the same time, which I relate to, um, how what sustained you during that time that you knew you wouldn't break your abstinence? And, um, like, what program elements and were there any kind of new tools or habits that you brought on to get through that time? A good question. Um, I think that I got pulled into reality in a way that I never was because, and I think that the fact that the fragility of their lives and it, it pulled me out of myself. Being in that dire situation and having to show up took me out of myself in a way that I guess was in a way a relief. So my commitment to my abstinence, luckily, it was it was strong at that point. So I was I was solid. I mean, it took a while to get comfortable with being abstinent. And for me, certain meals, having them prepared beforehand, and that kind of I had that down. I had a rhythm down with it. So when I was faced with that, I just feel like I'm really lucky because because my higher power prepared me to be in that situation and also the you know the knowledge that the people that hurt me were going to be gone people who I loved so deeply that made everything be like you know what it doesn't matter nothing it kind of wiped it did wipe things away from me a lot so when I look back on it because I do think yeah I do believe in in the grace of of God, and I feel like there's. I, I always read this book as Bill sees it. It's a lot of quotes from Bill Wilson, um, and he talks a lot about the mystery. And he says, in many times, he says, "I don't know why some of us get it and some of us don't. I think there's a mystery to it, and I think we just have to kind of show up for it. But there is a mystery, uh, and I think it was a real gift to me." that I was able to be 100% present and abstinent for that that process. It was a gift. So, thank you. Lillian? Hi. Thank you so much, Shoshana, for your lead. My one question you've answered, how do you maintain your fit spiritual condition? Thank you for that answer. What do you do on an average day in terms of your food? Like, what do you eat? What don't you eat? Just on a regular day, no special occasion or anything. Thanks. Thank you. It's like I said, I'm, I'm recovering from from uh, some complications with Lyme disease, which um, 
And also I had COVID in March. I was really, really sick on top of it. So uh, my my food plan is um, much more rigid than I would like it to be. Let, let's put it that way. Um, I That's don't. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. Thank you. I don't eat. Um, I don't eat flour and sugar, um, but I also, there's a lot of foods that I can't eat that I did, like tomatoes and, you know, all kinds of, oh, dairy now, dairy's off. It's like, what? <laughs> um, you know, what else, you know, can I, so, so I guess what I do is, you know, my breakfast is always the same. I try to eat from all the food, the food groups and make it balanced. I mean, the one thing about that I learned here from the very beginning is restriction will lead to the binge. I have the under as well as the over. Um, so I work really hard on not restricting and having abundant meals. Um, I measure my starches when I'm home, and I'm home all the time now. That's just my deal. I just, it's not because – it's just because I know for myself – I'm a crackhead with them, <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't stop. So, so, and I love the tools of food plan because I love how abstinence is, is not my food plan, but it's just based on an honest appraisal of my food and my food behaviors. So I can keep reappraising, you know, and saying, well, I've been, you know, I think vegetables don't count. Like they're not food. Well, Maybe they are, you know. So while I'm preparing my daughter's food and putting broccoli in my mouth, it's some, that's something that I'm looking at, like I shared before. Somebody had called these BLTs, bites, licks, and tastes. So I've been sort of saying I'm working on none of those. Um, and to have just the meal, you know, that I, that I prepared on one plate. Um, yeah, and I have two snacks in there, optional snacks. So. Charles? Uh, hey, I'm Charles uh, in Seattle with notoriously bad Wi-Fi. Um, I started away in uh, COVID and uh, have been around here for, I don't know, four months, four and a half months now. What are the unique challenges, uh, not so much of starting in COVID, but what has this era, uh, what new challenges, um, and I know you only have a minute or so, uh, has this new period brought to uh, your OA program. Thank you, Charles. It's so good to hear you and hear that question because I actually sent a picture for my friend. I said my basement looks like, um, I forget what word, Amazon locker or something like basically the amount of snacks that are around is is insane. I've never been exposed to this much food in my life. It was so easy being absent as a single, like, little, my little, you know, have everything. I feel very, very out of control because it's so, I have a daughter, you know, it's like bags and boxes of every freaking thing you could imagine. So that's, and also the amount of time I'm spending in the kitchen. I mean, for, I'm cooking for everybody, myself included, constantly. I, I, Sometimes I'm, I'm so sick of it. I'm sick of it. So that is, that's the challenge of COVID being in the kitchen, constantly surrounded by food and preparing food for three people. Um, not just myself. Uh, I want to get away and right now I can't, but that's, so that's it.
Anyone else for a question? We have two minutes. All right, I'll ask a quick question. Um, do you mind just talking a little bit about, like, uh, your relationship with your higher power and how it's, just, like, changed over the years since you've been in program? Yes. Thank you. That's a great question. Um, I remember reading that, yeah, even Mother Teresa doubted that God existed. Um, so I think the biggest shift for me was in the beginning, I faked it and I just pretended. Um, I always wanted there to be something. I was reading self-help books on the floor of Barnes and Noble since I was a little kid, you know, like always looking, searching for that higher power, um, but really not believing and not admitting that. So when I finally admitted, like, I don't really know what's happening, that became, in fact, I even said out loud, I I was scared to say, like, I don't believe. I was going, that was at this bottom point that I hit. I was going from church to temple, everywhere I could, getting on my knees and saying, if you're there, show me because I'm going to, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I can't, I can't live like this anymore. That's um, our time. So that's our time, but it's shifted now. Being honest about it has connected me. Okay, thank you.